So I want to talk to you about something today. What would it look like if a church collectively could get behind one vision and one mission? And we could all be on the same page. What would it look like if we were actually passionate about reaching Acadia Parish? What would it look like if we were actually passionate about not just being another church that talks about things, that does good things, that reaches the community, but what would it look like if we were a church that said, you know what, if that church packed up and left town, the city would actually be affected if they left? What would it look like if we came together as a church behind this vision of reaching people and building lives? But the truth is, before you can ever anchor yourself behind that kind of vision, you have to know what the cause is. And so I've got a few things that I want to share with you. There's an estimated, just in Crowley alone, there's an estimated of about 15,000 people. 15,000 people in Crowley, and there's about 67,000 people in Acadia Parish. So that's Crowley, that's Rain, that's all of your, you know, connecting cities. Now, I did some research this week, and there's about, about, I could be wrong on this, but there's about 25 churches just in Crowley. You probably didn't know that. There's just, there's 25 churches in Crowley alone. And I read the census of people that say on a rate, and yet again, this is a statistic going back to 2015, but they did a poll uh, a while back and they asked people, how often do you attend church or do you attend church regularly? And get this, out of 15,000 people in Crowley, only 2,500 people said that they attend church. So when I look at that number, I look at this other larger number of people that not only just attend church, but people that don't have a community, people that don't have a place where they feel like they can belong and they can come into this safe environment and struggle. The truth is the reason that people avoid church oftentimes is because they feel like it's the most judgmental place on the force of the earth. Um, Martin Luther King once said that church on a Sunday morning is the most segregated thing ever. You got the black church, you got the white church, you got the, like, oh, you're going on the church on the south side of tracks? Like, what do you think? Like, you have all this segregation. But what would it look like if together we were able to build a church where we didn't see race, we didn't see color, we didn't see economic status, we didn't see any of that? Because here's the truth. Whatever your political views are, whatever you line up with, or whatever you have, there's only one thing that unites us all, and that's Jesus. And so when we look at this number, and we see ultimately about 13,000 people that don't belong anywhere, we have to ask ourselves the questions, what are we going to do about that? See, a long time ago, I had to make a determination to say, you know what, I don't want to just encounter God's grace for myself. I want to be able to share it with everybody else. And so here's what some of you are going to have to make a decision to do this morning. God is creating a story and a testimony in your life, not just for your life, but for somebody else. Because here's the truth. How many know the most powerful stories that you could ever hear me say or anybody else on this stage is not like, hey, listen, this week was awesome. I killed it. I did not sin and I was perfect this week. Have a great week. Like nobody's like, man, amazing sermon, (laughs) right? They're like conceited guy, proud. I'm not coming back, right? What are the things that touch your heartstrings the most? It's usually the things when somebody gets up here and says, you know what, it was a rough week. It was a rough week and I felt like I was going to lose my faith and I, you know, didn't feel emotionally in love with my wife this week or my two-year-old, you know, peed his pants for the second thousandth time in his underwear, you know. Um, 
whatever it may be, like it was a rough week. So here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what it's going to take to become a pioneer. Because whether you realize it or not, that's what God has called this church to be. God has called us to blaze new trails for this city. God has called us to be a pioneer. God has called us to create something different, a church where everybody fits in, a church where everybody belongs, a church where everybody can feel safe to struggle with something and they have a home and they have a place to go. But listen, it's going to take you attaching yourself to some things that are going to get you outside of your comfort zone. So the first thing that we've got to do collectively and individually, the first thing that we've got to do, a pioneer has a whatever it takes mindset, whatever it takes. That's what I loved about our team this weekend. We got together Friday and we're talking about all the different details and everything that it's going to take to pull off this service. And everybody that sat in my living room is just like, whatever it takes, we're going to get it done. We're going to do it. We're going to move forward. And listen, it's the same thing in your life. You can allow certain things in your life, a bump in the road, a pain, a strain in your marriage, or whatever it is, you can allow that pain to determine and, and, and choose to say who you are, or you can say, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes to move towards peace and joy and freedom and healing. Because here's the truth. We talked about this last Easter. Jesus did not defeat death, hell, and the grave so we could just sit in a seat. He did not overcome the grave so that we could just sit here, clap, have some worship songs, and then go out there and say, I love my church. He's saying, no, 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 no. What are we going to do about that? Like some of you, you know family members that are hurting. You know other couples maybe in your job or whatever it is where their marriage is struggling. Like what are we going to do do about that? And I think too often we relegate that to the church. Oh, you have an issue in your marriage? Let me get you to the church. Oh, you have something that you have? Oh, let me me bring it. Like God's saying, no, what are you going to do about that? I've placed that person in your life for a reason. You know, as Christ followers, we're called to take ground. And one of the things that drives me crazy the most about living here is that people often have this idea of we're a small town, so we have a small mindset. We're a small town, so it's just going to be a small church, or it's just going to be a small thing. But here's the, here's the, the, the upset to that. We may be in a small town, but we serve a big God. So we can never come into this church and have this small mindset. It's got to, we've got to have this whatever it takes mindset to say, you know what? We serve a big God and he can do anything. Like who is the one person that you know of that is in your circle right now, in your family, in your, in your work circle that you'd say, you know what? If God really saved them, I might actually believe in God, <laughs> right? If like God got a hold of that person, I, like, I believe who is that one person? And the truth is, I think for many of us, you say, you know what? Okay, Pastor Zach, I hear what you're saying, but the truth is, I, I, don't, I don't know enough about Jesus. I'm not worthy enough to tell people about my story because I haven't gotten to a place where I feel free enough yet, or I don't feel like I'm good enough to share my story. I want you to read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, and it says this, for we are his workmanship, we, as in all of us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So here's what this means. Like before the foundations of the earth were ever set, God had a purpose and a plan for you to do good things. And then he also had a plan for you to walk in those good things. The thing that I've always loved about this church is it doesn't matter 
where you're at in your life, you can still make a difference. Wherever you're at, whatever you struggle with, whatever you're walking through right now, ask yourself this question. What is the one thing that is keeping me from the future that I want to live? Like, how many of you guys just, you say, show of hands, I've got some dreams, some things that I would like to accomplish one day. I've got some people that, man, I'd love to see in church one day, or, or some people that I would love to see surrender and submit their life to Jesus. What is it that's standing in your way from accomplishing those things? What is the one thing that is standing in your way from living out your dreams? You know what I think it is? I think that many of us would prefer the white tablecloth over the towel. Here's what I mean by this, is we would rather be served than serve. We'd rather be served than serve. And oftentimes, because we cannot get down to the servant mindset, I'm too good for that, it oftentimes keeps us back from living out the dreams that God has intended for us. So here's what I mean by that. Every good movie, every good comeback story always starts with like the low person, right? It was like the movie never starts off and like this king was the hero immediately. It's always like some peasant who became some, some prince or some king or whatever. And it's this story of nothing to something. And oftentimes when we come into church, we, we get this idea that, you know, all I want it to be is I just want to sit in a chair and I just want people to serve me and I just want to be fed the word and that's all I want it to be. And I would say oftentimes when you do that, you're only robbing yourself. And, and here's why, because here's what Mark ten forty three says, and this is talking about Jesus says, but among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, the only way to have a whatever it takes mindset is to get into the mindset of a servant. Like that Jesus actually modeled that for us. Can you imagine that? How humbling that was for him? Like walking on earth and just being able to like tangibly touch everything that you have created. Like you're walking on the dirt roads that you breathed into existence. And you're staring at the same sky and everybody's marveling at it. And you're like, I created that. And then you get down on two knees and you begin to wash people's feet. Like, do you see the humility in that? That there is this humility in Jesus that we find and that's what makes Jesus so powerful. It wasn't that he came in like this commanding way, I'm here to rule. No, he led by serving. And you know what I hear too often in the church and this may step on your toes, but this is intended to. Um, Jesus was never too good to serve. And so here's what we hear all the time within the church world, okay? Like, hey, why don't you join the dream team? I will, but let me pray about it. Let me, let me just pray about it. Um, here's the truth. I'm just gonna say it if it offends you. I love, just know I love you. Some of you are more spiritual than Jesus. Some of you are more spiritual than Jesus. You're like, I'm gonna pray about it. You've been praying about it for a year and you haven't prayed about anything in your life. And oftentimes as Christians, here's what we do. We use prayer as an excuse not to do anything. So it comes into this like, hey, do you wanna do this? Or hey, do you wanna serve? Or hey, do you wanna, I'll pray about it. 
And we do this in our own lives too, right? Hey, like, babe, can we sit down and can we just talk through our finances or I'll pray about it. (laughs) Or, hey, can we start working through this? I'll pray about it. And, And here's the truth. You don't need to pray about it because the Bible is clear. For even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve others. See, I think the reason that Christianity gets boring for so many people and the reason they lose faith and the reason that they can't hang on is because they have not taken on the mindset of a servant. Do you know the joy that myself and our team was able to walk away from last weekend with Easter? Like how hard that was to set that up and the days that it took to plan those things, and then we walk away and go, you know what, it was all worth it because 18 people gave their life to Jesus. And, and we look at this and go, is it hard to pull this off? Is it difficult? Do I love waking up early in the morning? I'm not a morning person at all. I am the type of person, like, you just, my wife has figured it out now after 10 years, like, just don't talk to Zach for about 45 minutes. And it's true. Like, I don't, I don't, like, when I wake up and people ask me questions, I'm just going to look at you. Like, just, you need to back up or something bad's going to happen, right? <laughs> but for even the Son of Man came to be a servant. And the truth is, you'll receive more joy by giving back to somebody rather than just being somebody that consumes and takes. So the second thing, and this is a big one. A pioneer never abandons the vision regardless of the adversity. A pioneer never abandons the mission regardless of the pain. How many know when you go and you blaze new trails and you do new things, like sometimes it hurts. You start a new business, it doesn't work. You start a church and you hope people show up. You get into a relationship and you hope it works dive into this thing called Christianity and you begin to give your life to Jesus and the first six months, it's amazing. And then all of a sudden a bump in the road comes and you go, whoa, this is hard. But see, if you have a pioneer mindset, the vision and the mission will outweigh the pain every time. You might get hurt, you might get bumped, you might get bruised, but you have a mission. You have a future that you want to create. I read this story years ago. And uh, it was, everybody knows the name Daniel Boone. But when he was a kid, he was known for his bravery. He was known for somebody that was just kind of extremist. He would always run into the face of danger. And there's this story that I read. And him and, his, and him, him and his friends were out playing in the woods. And they're fighting with sticks and sword fighting and having a good time. And all of a sudden they hear this screeching sound. And they knew by living in those woods what it was. The only thing that made a sound like that was a panther. Now, when you're like eight, nine, 10 years old, like what is your first instinct? I'm getting out of here. I'm running, right? And I love what the friends, how they described Daniel Boone. He said, hold on, I'm gonna run back to the house. I'm gonna grab the rifle and I'm gonna run towards the roar and shoot it. Here's what God's calling some of us to do today. Is that some of you see your pain. And you have two choices to make. You have two options to make. You see the suffering, you see the hardships in life, and you can either run and not defeat it, and that pain will always be there to haunt you. 
or you can run back, get strengthened by Jesus, and run towards the roar and defeat the source of your pain. See, that's what pioneers do. They, they, they hear the noise, they hear the fear, and they say, no, 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 I'm going to run towards it because I know that I run towards it. Yeah, I may get scratched up. Yes, I may get hurt, but the truth is I've got to have victory in this moment. So how many of us today are willing to say, you know what? I'm willing to run towards that. I'm willing to take the pain in my life and begin to deeply take a look at it. How many of you know, like, as human beings, we're just really good at stuffing things? Like, pain happens, and we're like, just shove it down. (laughs) Another instance happens, like, just keep stuffing it. We, We live in a culture that has become the word that I can think, the only word that I can think of is we've just become brilliant at numbing things. We've become brilliant at stuffing things down. And it's the reason that depression, anxiety, and all of these things are just on the rise because we don't deal with our pain. And the truth is you'll never be able to create the future and you'll never be able to live out the dreams that God has for you unless you run towards it. 2 Corinthians 4.16 puts it this way. This is the message version. I love how it's written. It says, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart. How many of you ever been in a place in your life where you're like, everything is crumbling. And from the outside perspective, it looks like your life is over, right? But watch this. On the inside, God is making a new life and not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. So listen, it may seem like the things around you are falling apart, but here's what I have learned even through this week and over over the past years. Every time it seems like things are falling apart in my life, there's only one thing that God is after. He is shaping my character. Because the truth is all the things start to fall apart on the outside because he loves me enough to start fixing the inside. And you can allow all the things falling apart on the outside to define you, and and most of us have. We've gotten to a place where everything falling apart outside, it has defined who we are. I'll never be able to move forward. I'll never be able to get past that. I'll never be able to get past that decision that I made. And we look at all of that, and that begins to define our life. And here's the truth. For some of us, life has just dealt us an unfair deck of cards. For some of us, we, things have happened to us that were completely outside of our control. Maybe we were abused. Maybe we were molested. Maybe we had things that happened to us that we had no control over. But I want you to understand this. God has a plan for your life. He has a future for your life, regardless of what has happened to you or what has been done to you. See, I've been chewing on this this week, this thought. I think every human being wakes up in the morning and asks themselves a question without realizing it, they're asking themselves this question. But you ask yourself, why am I here? See, the most boring days to most of us is when we feel like we have no purpose, right? See, the truth is, I don't think many of us actually have a purpose problem. I think many of us have a vision problem. And here's what I mean. 
if you have a purpose problem, you have a vision problem, when you have a vision problem, it means that there's probably some things in your life that are distorting your view of what God is really doing in your life. So Proverbs puts it like this, Proverbs 29, 18. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. So here's what this first, the first half of this, this verse is saying. How many of you ever just show of hands? How many of you ever just wish, like, God, could you just give me the full story? Like, could you just show, like, I will fully trust you if you just give me from beginning to end. I'll just go. And for many of us, we, we feel like we could do it because, like, man, if I knew what was on the end, then I'd be willing to, you know, suffer through all the hard stuff in the middle. But here's the truth. If he told you the end, you'd never go the distance. If he showed you what the end looked like, you'd say, no, 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 I'm gonna carve another path. And here's what I have learned over the past few years. Oftentimes, when you ask God for growth, your version of growth and his version of growth looks a whole lot different. When you say, God, just grow my character, God says, all right, let me stir some things up in your life. And you're like, God, not that way. <laughs> Watch what the verse finishes out. It says, people can't see what God is doing. They stumble all over themselves. Watch this. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are the most blessed. So think about it this way. You only quit when you feel like you can't see the way forward, right? You only quit when you can't see the end in mind, when you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I've been thinking about this lately. I wonder how many moves of God have never happened because we quit a day early. I wonder how many breakthroughs in your own life that you've never broken through because you gave up too soon. Here's the truth. Oftentimes before there is a breakthrough, there's always a storm. Because the truth is God can never move you to the other side of blessing unless your character is ready. You can have all the giftings, you can have all the talent, but if in here is not ready, it goes to your head too quickly and you get conceited. I've shared this story with quite a few people this week, but it's meant so much to me. And I feel like it would be helpful for you. I read this earlier. My my son, Eli, is um, he's nine years old and he has the brain of his mother. <laughs> and what I mean by that, he's extremely intelligent. My wife, all throughout school, I, I remember, I, this is not a joke, we were in the same math class. She was a sophomore, I was a senior because I failed math once, okay? So we were in the same class. And I remember in geometry, I'd be like, you know, I'd try to sit like right behind her. Your pastor was a cheater, I'm just going to let you know right now. Um, but I, would, I remember just being so frustrated because she would listen on the board and then put her head down and all of us would be studying and I'm just trying to get all these algorithms and how does this work? And she'd wake up and take the test and just ace it. I'm like, what is wrong with you? And Eli's a lot like her. He's extremely smart. And so when most kids right now, I remember when I was Eli's age, I was reading like fantasy books like Narnia and all the hatchet and all those different things. He's reading like how rocks form how crystals happen and he's reading about thunder and he's reading about lightning and the other day we I brought him to the dentist and he had this book that he had left at uh, the orthodontist office and it's on these different mountain ranges and I read this quick little fact in there and it said this 
that 95% of people quit climbing Mount Everest before they only have 10 feet left to go. 10 feet. So I started thinking about it. See, when you climb Mount Everest, you are assigned to a Sherpa, somebody who knows the mountain backwards and forwards. And through the entire climb, this Sherpa is always one step ahead of you. And as he climbs the mountain, he'll tell you, hey, keep going just a few more feet. Well, when you get to the almost the summit of Mount Everest, it, they say that there is this thick cloud of fog and you can't see the top. And so when you're about 10 feet away, it says the 95% of people that turn around, they have this Sherpa that looks at you and says, listen, you have 10 feet left, you can make it. And they go, bro, you've been telling me I have 10 feet left for three days. Here's what, but I want you to catch this. And he's going, no, 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 listen, I've climbed this mountain backwards and forwards. I, I know this rock, I know what it looks like, and I know if you just keep climbing 10 more feet, you're gonna be on the top. But here's what happens. Instead of listening to the Sherpa, the people get their eyes focused on the fog. I can't see the top, buddy. I'm going down. <laughs> Here's what happens when you don't deal with your pain. You get your eyes on the fog and you stop listening to the inclinations of the Holy Spirit. And rather than keep climbing and making it to the top in just 10 more feet, we give up a little bit too early. I wonder how many times in our life when we were just like on the precipice, we were just on the edge. God was about to move. He was about to do something. He was about to transform your life. He was about to have a breakthrough in your marriage. And you said, I'm done. I quit. This is too hard. It's too difficult. We've had people get in life groups and they lean in, they get in community and this is great. And then all of a sudden we start dealing with the pain and they're like, I'm out. You say, no, 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 hold on. This is the best part. If you would just stick around a little bit longer, you could get past the fog. So I wonder how, to how many people that God would say to you today, stop looking at the fog. Stop looking at the pain. Stop looking at how difficult it is. What if God is about to do something great in you? Don't quit too early. Don't stop too early. So I'm here to tell you today, Whatever you're going through, whatever you're walking through in your life right now, maybe you've climbed like 95% of the mountain. And you're like, I'm there. And you're like barely hanging on. You feel like you got no oxygen left. You feel like you've got nothing left. But I think oftentimes if we would just rather, like the proverb says, to not lean on our own understanding, but to trust in the Lord. See, when you only got 5% left to go, you've got to stop leaning on what you know and you've got to start leaning on a God who knows the future and says, you know what? I know it seems hard, but I promise you, if you just make it a little bit more, it's going to be a whole lot better. The third thing, a pioneer is driven by a cause greater than himself. A cause that is greater than himself. I feel like the reason that many of us don't have vision, the reason that many of us don't have purpose is because we're not doing something that will outlive us. We're not a part of something that is greater than us. Ephesians 3.20 puts it this way. What do you dream about? What has God enabled you to see that does not yet exist? 
you will never outdream God. Listen, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. God can do anything. And some of you say, well, you don't, you don't understand what I've walked through in life or you don't understand how difficult it's been or the decisions that I've made. But what I do know is what God thinks about you. Can I tell you this? And can I just liberate some of you this morning? God's not angry at you. God doesn't hate you. You don't have to prove yourself to him. You are enough. You don't have to become somebody that you're not. Like God loves you as you are right now. Who you are right now. See, the potential of this church is unlimited because we serve a big God. The potential of your life is unlimited because you serve a big God. So we've got to get to a place where we start praying big. We start dreaming big. We start thinking big. We start pioneering big. See, pioneers don't just show up at church and say, amen, they go out there and they live it. Because it's a completely different life. So let me kind of bring it to a close with this. So what are we pioneering? What are we pioneering? The truth is we're pioneering a church that has the ability to reach all of Acadia Parish, this nation, the world. We're pioneering a church that is willing to extend grace to anyone, no matter where you're at in your walk. See, church is not a hotel, it's a hospital. And let me explain that. When you go to a hotel, you get to pick and choose what you want, right? You get to pick the amenities. You get to choose what kind of bed you want to sleep on. Sometimes you get to pick the curtains. You get to pick, do I want uh, air? Like, I want to be able to adjust the air in my bed. (laughs) You get to upgrade the room. You have all these things that you can pick and choose. But here's the truth. It's not a hotel. The church is a hospital. And a church, I mean, a hospital has to, when you show up to that place, they have to treat you however you come. Regardless of how bad your injuries are, regardless of what you're dealing with, every emergency room has to treat any person that walks in those doors. So here's what I want you to know. This church has made a stand to say, wherever you're at, whatever you're walking through, whatever you're dealing with in your life, we don't get to pick and choose. You're welcome. You're welcome here. Listen, if you've struggled with sexual identity, if you have struggled with uh, divorce, or if you have struggled with certain things in your marriage, this is a place where you can belong. Because here's what I understand about Jesus. If you serve him long enough, he will not leave you how you are. (laughs) So if we just create this environment where we say, man, Anybody and everybody is welcome. When they finally encounter the radical grace of God, guess what happens on the inside? I want to change. I want to change. You ever been to a restaurant and you go and you go to pay the bill and they say, no, sorry, sir, somebody already paid the tab. What? Who, who paid it? Oh, they, didn't, they don't want anybody to know. What do you feel inclined to do the next time you go to a restaurant? man, I'm going to try to pick up the tab for somebody else. Now, why do you do that? Well, because somebody extended grace to you. It's the same way in our relationship with Jesus. It's not about the rules. It's not about the regulations. See, when you encounter the grace of God, you serve him because you want to, not because you have to. 
You serve him because you realize that he has freed you and saved you from much. And I know what some of you are thinking. You don't understand what I've done. I don't think God would be able to forgive me for where I'm at. So let's talk about the early church. Let's talk about the first three people that get saved that we know of that are written down in history. The first three converts in the book of Acts, one was a wizard named Simon. The second was an Ethiopian eunuch. The third was a religious terrorist. How's that for the front row of a church? So here's what you have. You got a guy with astrology cards in his hand, a guy who has sexual identity issues and a terrorist there. Welcome the church. Those were the first people that came into the doors and Peter preaches and they get saved. Listen, you may have issues, you may have struggles, you may deal with things, but here is the truth. There is no excuse. There is nothing that is going to separate you from the love of God this morning. Nothing. So you might have issues, you might struggle, you may battle with things, but here's the truth. God loves you no matter what. Because I'm absolutely convinced of this. As he draws you in, and as he brings you closer to himself, you will radically begin to change from the inside out. So where do we go from here? I want to quickly talk about five things. Where do we go from here? First, whatever your personal time with the Lord looks like, increase it. If you want to be a pioneer, the first thing that you got to do, whatever your time alone with Jesus looks like, start increasing it. I can tell you this. My prayer life has never been better this week when you, you get an email on Tuesday saying, hey, you guys don't have a building. Oh, okay, God help me. <laughs> the second thing, if you're not in the life group, if you're not planted in healthy community, get in one. You can go to oscconnect.com and you'll see it right on, the, right on the homepage. Join a life group. It's like a pink and yellow screen. Click it, click the Corrales campus and get in a group. We got groups that meet all over this city. Listen, when God saved you, you were never meant to do that life alone. It was meant to be lived out with other people. People will say, well, I'm just a loner. I'm an introvert. I don't like people. This may surprise you. So am I. I'm not naturally an extrovert. For the majority of my life, when I'd walk into crowds, the first thing I would scan the room and where's the corner and the bathroom so I can escape, <laughs> right? Now it's grown on me over and over. And I've learned it. But the truth is, here's what I've learned. Your personality is not an excuse for you not to get involved. Because God created you and designed you that way. And sometimes you just have to learn around it. You just got to work around it. Second thing, so get in a group. This is the importance of the doctrine of the Trinity. It's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God lives life in community. So what makes you think that you can do it by yourself? (laughs) He does it. So we need it. Third, you're not a part of a dream team, man, get on a team. Get on a team. We can go out here, find Daisha, our kids director. Hey, I would love to be a part of the kids team. Come down here, grab Madeline. Man, I have, a, I have the ability to play. The worship team's a little different. Some people say they can sing, but they really can't. So we will lovingly tell you. So like some people are like, pastor, I just have a heart. I remember a long time ago when I was a worship pastor in Jennings, I had this girl that came and she tried out and um, she came to me. She's like, I just have a heart for worship. I was like, all right, great. Let me hear you sing. 
and it was terrible. <laughs> and I remember I just had to, I had to look at her lovingly, and you may think this is harsh, you may think this is rude, but because I loved her, I said this to her. I said, listen, I appreciate your heart, but here's the truth. On Sunday morning, nobody hears your heart. They hear your voice. <laughs> that's just the call of our truth. So join the team. If you want to be on the, this team, please be able to play, all right? The fourth thing, if you're not doing it already, I want you to encourage, I want to encourage you to become a partner by giving to this church. We cannot accomplish everything that God has called us to do without everybody on board. We just can't do it. You know, God's continually growing and stretching this church. And if we really want to live a life that is modeled after Jesus, man, we become, not only do we become servants by giving of our time, but we also give of our resources. And then the fifth thing, and this goes into your personal sphere, your personal space. Start pioneering the one. I want to challenge every single person in this room to invite somebody next week. Who is the one person that you feel like, man, if they came to Jesus, it would be a miracle. Start praying for them. Start talking to them. Start doing something. God has placed you wherever you work for a reason. God has put you in the environment that you find yourself the majority of your time for a reason. You know people. You're connected to people. Start talking to them. Start pioneering the one.